I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Monday morning, I send out a storytelling tip to my email subscribers, and I talk about how I have used it in my own storytelling for my clients and for myself, and I leave you with tangible advice on how you can apply it to your strategies. If this sounds like something that would interest you, go ahead and sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. Again, that's rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a video marketing agency that helps you tell heartfelt stories to maximize your impact in minimal time. Find out more about what we do at SixSecondStories.com. You know that thing when you've been a fighter pilot for like over a decade, but that gets super boring. So instead you pick up Russian and start running the day-to-day air operations against ISIS while living in Qatar. And in the process of doing that, you, you realize that humans everywhere, no matter what problems they're going through, they end up going through the same cycles of like allowing their thinking to become one-sided and very narrow in scope and, and they lose creativity and they just over their overall communication skills decline. You know what I mean? No? Is that just me? What's up, storytellers? Welcome back to the Storytelling Lab podcast. This is episode 123, and today my guest experienced just that scenario that I just painted for you. 
Dan Manning is a 25-year veteran of the United States Air Force, and boy, has he lived a storied life. The beautiful thing about it is, though, being in that situation, working the hotline between the U.S. headquarters in Qatar and the Russian headquarters in Syria, and all of these conversations and serious problems that he was trying to solve, and now he takes all those lessons and uses them to help startup founders, coaches, consultants understand how to use storytelling to solve their problems. Folks, I can tell you right now, this is a very unique episode. I have never had a guest on with this experience, with this history, with this story. Working that unique position that Dan had, it allowed him to become a critical thinker, a much better critical thinker, a better creative thinker, and a better overall communicator. And he used those skills that he cultivated to change the way people viewed their problems and used storytelling to help them find new solutions. This is exactly the things that you go through as a business owner or a startup founder or a coach or consultant. Yeah, I know it doesn't sound as serious as the day-to-day air operations against ISIS. The thing is, there's so much value to learn in those types of problems with those types of conflicts, right? This is why there are books like The Art of War. This is why there are books like The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. You know, this is this is what we have to show up for every day. And all it is, is problem solving. Yes, sometimes we can view uh, certain problems as more profound and significant, but it's still problem solving and storytelling is still the solution. I gotta tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, and I have to admit that, uh, you know, I, I, I acted a little selfishly, and I workshopped, you know, Dan worked with me live on the show, you'll hear it, uh, in the episode, he workshopped me, uh, and I'm currently working on a new startup that is in stealth mode, so I can't tell you too much about it, but I'm so excited to share more information on it uh, in due time, my friends, but he workshopped uh, with me live on how I can kind of find that moment of change, as he, as he calls it, that led me to this new position from where I had been for 15 to 20 years. Uh, and I also got to say that he was super kind to, first of all, he read my book and really read my book. I'm always, listen, I'm, you know, my ego runs wild. I love it when somebody compliments me. Uh, but I'm still insecure and sensitive, um, so I, I get a little, you know, shy and nervous when people say something nice about about uh, my work. But there's that thing, and you may uh, recognize this, where you know someone's just being like, "Hey, I read your book; it was really good, man." You're like, "Oh, thanks." No, Dan was so sincere; I could tell he read it. Uh, one because he basically told me he wanted to not like it, uh, based off of the title, uh, and he couldn't really find a problem with it. But he also cited specific examples and wording that that I use and it just meant so much to me that not only uh, did he buy, buy the book skim the book but he actually read it and retained it and uses it I mean he's shouted me out on LinkedIn since then and we've we've created quite the connection and friendship and I'm really grateful to have him in my life but I'm really grateful to have him on this show for you because I tell you I've, I've said it already I'll say it again nobody No guest on the Storytelling Lab has had this experience and this journey, this pathway to landing on the power of stories like Dan. So here is my conversation with Dan Manning, and I hope that you love it. I'm really interested in in learning a little bit more about your time in the military. And what did you get your PhD in again? So I didn't actually finish my PhD. I okay. stopped while I was working on it, but it was in uh, international development. 
I'm sure there's a story there. Yeah. Uh, so you're studying international development. You're working, um, you were in the Air Force, right? Fighter pilot? That's right. Yeah, okay. yeah, 25 years in the Air Force, yeah. Okay, so I know this is a big question and probably sure. a big story, but I'm really, really interested in how you transitioned and segued from that path, that story, if you will, mm-hmm. into doing what you do now, which is help businesses and founders like tell their story. Like that, I'm so compelled already. Yeah, great. I mean, so if I, you've got to choose, you know, which length of a story to uh, to tell you, but but as I, you know, as I started getting near the end of my career, I had spent, you know, half of my career as a fighter pilot flying the A-10, half of my career as a military diplomat. I was uh, assigned to the embassy in Kyrgyzstan for two years, so I learned Russian for that assignment. And near the very end of my career, I was working at our combined air operations headquarters in Qatar. So we're leading the day-to-day air operations against ISIS. And I also ran the hotline between our headquarters in Qatar, the Russian headquarters in Syria. And what I found working at that operational level of the of the military was that we as humans tend to fall into these the same cycles that we repeat over and over, that our thinking gets very channelized into, uh, into one way of seeing the world, that we tend to limit our creativity, that our communication you know, declines. And frankly, there was very little storytelling there as well. But what I found was that just because those are things that I do, um, I do naturally, everyone does those naturally as well, but I worked hard to make myself a better critical thinker, a better creative thinker, to lead collaboration and to be a better communicator. I found places where I could apply those skills in this operational level of war to change the way that people thought about the problems they had and also to use storytelling to lead us to better solutions than we would have normally considered. So as I was wrapping up my time in the military and trying to decide what I wanted to do after that, I was like, how can I take these skills that I've developed solving these um, you know, poorly defined problems in the military, combine that with the psychology and the neuroscience of how we think, and then turn that into very practical things that people could use in their everyday life or their business to solve their problems there. So I started teaching those skills. And then along the way, I found that storytelling was the most effective way to teach those skills as well. So we just got really specific on how to be a good storyteller, what makes a good story, and how I could then translate that into very practical things that people could use to very quickly become a much better storyteller than they've ever sometimes imagined they could be. What are the ways that once you got into it and started like putting a name to it, right, labeling it, what are the ways that you realized that you had been using storytelling in your previous career all along? Well, so one that um, that came to mind uh, recently was in Afghanistan mm-hmm. in 2014. So I was there for seven months. I was working with the Afghan Air Force, um, helping to to build the the Air Force that they eventually were able to develop. But it was also during that time that President Obama said that we were going to withdraw from Afghanistan. So there was a, a big rush to figure out how we were going to leave so quickly and what would be left behind. Not very, too much unlike seven years later when we eventually did withdraw. But people were looking at the problems that were going to come up. And I was one of the only fighter pilots working there on that job, the A-10 as a close air support aircraft. So I was the close air support expert for helping to build the Afghan Air Force. And people were trying to explain the problem that was going to happen once we started withdrawing all these aircraft and the support that we had been able to provide to the Afghans. But it wasn't really connecting. And I, I looked at the problem and I described the problem in a different way. I described the problem 
to General Dunford at the at the time, the four star, as how it was going to change the situation on the battlefield for the typical Afghan commander, and also for the Taliban as well. And that how we had been since the beginning of that fight, there was always air cover that was available, and that the Afghans could always count on eventually there was going to going to be friendly air cover that would show up. And the Taliban also knew that eventually there was going to be friendly air power that showed up for the other side. So they would, had adapted their way of fighting to that reality. But we were about to change that reality. And once we change that reality, here's how it's going to, to unfold. And essentially tell a story, not give a PowerPoint presentation on how the world was about to be different. And then Use that as a way to lead into what are some ways that we might be able to change that future if we aren't satisfied with it. Hmm. And when you transitioned out of, you know, the trajectory that you were, you know, your career was in, and you kind of had these little epiphanies and you started, you know, transitioning into the space that you're in now, how did you... <laughs> Did you have to sell that to to your wife? Like, how did how, how did that plan go? Because to me, it just it, it that's a big change. It sounds like at least on paper, it is a big change. Um, but no, I, I didn't have to uh, to sell it to her. She's known me for most of my life. We actually grew up just five houses away from each other, um, cool. only about fifteen minutes from where we are right now. So we uh, at the end of high school, we both went our separate ways and then uh -huh. got back together at our ten year reunion. So she ha. so she knows me pretty well and uh i didn't have to sell that she trusts you she oh she does yeah um but then she also wanted to start a business uh as well but the the military retirement works out good for us so it gives us a nice safety net to allow us to take risks that we couldn't take otherwise yeah. if we didn't have that uh, you know that ability and that extra guaranteed income as long as i keep breathing we'll keep getting and i know this is not the air force but did you see top gun maverick I did. It's a it's a fun movie. It's a fun, fun movie. movie. Yeah, I yeah. think they did a good job. A lot of times, sequels uh, tend mm -hmm. to tank, but I think that they did a good job on that. Um, so what are you working on currently? Like, what's what are you excited about coming? I mean, man, we're almost heading into twenty twenty three, which is kind of bizarre to think about. Yeah, I mean, so over the past most of this year, I've been really doubling down on storytelling mm -hmm. and trying to convey those lessons that I've learned about storytelling, primarily to startup founders. People that are uh, have either they're solopreneurs, they're very early in their startup journey, or they are coaches or consultants. And they, the most common problem I hear from them is that they're not able to communicate like what they actually do. Like, what is the benefit that they can provide? And why does somebody need that benefit? Mm -hmm. Like, it sort of sits in their brain, but it's never able to come out very, very clearly. So what I've been doing is working on three-minute stories. It's longer than your six-second stories, but three-minute stories that really force them to, you know, condense down their their value into a well-crafted, well-structured story, so that they can let people know what it is they do, and really focus in themselves as well as their audience on on what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish. And it's been incredibly effective for the people that I've that I've worked with, and I love the ability to work with people very early in their businesses and help them to get the clarity that they um, have been missing and be able to convey that clarity to other people yeah i think you would need a little bit more than six seconds to uh to to convey uh what your business does but the thing i like about stories is it's like uh i have to explain it to a lot of people um when when they think they have like 
I, how do I tell my story when it's too big for them mm-hmm. and explain that? Well, that's like saying like, how do I tell the story of this whole TV show that's six seasons right. long, right? So the three minute story is is appropriate in some situations. Then if you're using TikTok or social media, then mm-hmm. I think understanding how to at least use an arc yeah. and as quick as possible is you know is is uh, is is necessary too. They're two different things. It's like, are you going to watch an hour long feature film or are you going to watch a five minute video? But, you know, there's definitely room for both, but the principles are the same. Um, my question is, you know, and I was, you already answered the one I was going to ask about startup founders. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious why, like, let's talk about that and unpack that a little bit. Like, why do you think startup founders struggle with mm-hmm. that problem when you would think you know, if you just step back and, and look at it objectively, which is obviously an issue too, you would think that like, hey, understanding what you do and understanding how to communicate that that to the people you're trying to, to serve would, would be easy or would be the first thing that you would do. But mm-hmm. why are they struggling with that? So so part of it is that they are they're too close to the problem. Mm-hmm. And also they they know the solution too well. Like people who have problems often don't know what the solution is, but they are experts on what the symptoms are. Yeah. So when they, when these startup founders start talking to people, they are all talking about solutions, but the person doesn't know that they need that solution, right? Because they're just experts on their symptoms. One of the things that I say, and and you you actually talk a little bit about it in in your book as well, is this relationship between photography and storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I, I enjoy taking photos uh, as well. And I've been lucky to be all over the world doing that also just as part of you know, being in the Air Force. Yeah. But when I take a photo, there is no question about what the subject of that photo is, mm-hmm. right? It's that photographer has taken that moment of t- in time from this very specific perspective and captured this image. Mm-hmm. And I want the people looking at this photograph to see this image the way that I saw it at that moment. And when you tell a well-constructed three-minute story or any short story, you know, for that matter, you should be drawing your audience's eyes and attention and imagination to this very specific subject that I'm trying to get them to. I like that analogy. And what happens is a lot of times startup founders or coaches or consultants, they know that they can provide this wide range of value. So they try to talk about all the different things they can do rather than trying to narrow that down to here is what I do and here is how it applies to the people that I work with. And now once they get that focus, the people that they're talking to understand better what it is that they do. They also um, can start to form some trust and some connection with them. And they start to imagine how those services could apply in their own lives. And now you've got the opportunity for a, a much more wide ranging conversation because you're both starting from this you know, common, common step off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love that comparison to the, to the picture. I think that's a really simple way for people to understand it also it makes me think like speaking of visuals i've noticed at least lately for you on linkedin specifically i'm not sure we'll talk about it if you if you um leverage any other platforms in the way that you do linkedin i see you putting in a lot of work on linkedin but i also see these really cool infographics and visuals that you use why are you employing that that uh that technique so much what have you seen uh how have you seen that's been helpful for people because they look they look really great i'm not sure if you're creating them yourself or having someone else doing it but i know you've been using that as a strategy lately talk, talk to me about that yeah thank you I, I appreciate it i do make all those uh all those myself it's sort of this you know repetitive you just keep doing it until you get better at uh at doing it and i'm some of them i'm happier with than others 
But here's the thing, like here's really the secret of why when I help clients, why it works for them. It's because not only does their audience get clarity about what it is they do, but I also help drive them to get more clarity about what it is that's really important about what mm -hmm. they do. So we'll spend some time, may spend an hour, may go through, and I'm asking questions and really getting deep and, and following up on the things that they say. And I'm making connections that they sometimes themselves haven't been able to make before. And uh, on more than one call at the end, I'll always like spontaneously create the story back for the person that I'm that I'm working with. Mm. And the literal reaction is silence. And then they're their hands next to their head doing the, my mind is blown um, sign because they were able to see it in a way that they had lived, but they had never actually seen it from that experience before, that they see it from a different perspective. And they have these, all these new connections that are made there. And then when I start building it into the story, we're just condensing that down and really focusing like that picture. The next level of that for me is how can I turn these ideas into a, a visual that somebody can absorb in literally probably even less than six seconds, right? Two to yeah. three seconds yeah. where they can get that message. And the more that I can drive myself to do that, the better I understand what I'm talking about. If I can convey this complex idea, at least the beginning of it in two to three seconds, and then I expand on it in a, you know, maybe a 500 word yeah. um, or, or less you know, LinkedIn post, then I can tell it in a story and now I can go have an entire class about it. That really deepens my clarity and makes me a better communicator about those ideas. Also, I think it's got to be inspiring and for people to understand, you know, how to use storytelling in their social media too. to see you're kind of like you're demonstrating it, not just like talking to them about it. You show a little icon, right? Just mm -hmm. an image that tells a story, right? And has a message and has value. And then you expand on it in the caption. And then it's kind of like a, a, a template that people could follow as well, whether they're using photography, whether they're using whatever they're using. They don't have to use the infographics mm -hmm. like you do, but I think you are like a living example of it. So I think that... um I think that would be really helpful for people. So just to reiterate or, or, or touch back on that. So you, you, when you're working with people one-on-one, -on -one, like you, you kind of interview them throughout the process and then you basically, you know, you're filing away all the information and then you compile it into a story that you deliver back to them at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so we do, we do about a one hour interview uh -huh. and that is, and I tell them up front, like I'm going to drive this interview and I, I will, I might cut you off at a few places so that we can get to the place where we can get the pieces I need. But essentially what I'm doing is I'm collecting all the pieces of a story that I'm now going to be able to build back together into something that could be conveyed in three minutes. And most of the time, often we'll spend maybe 40 to 45 minutes just getting really specific on the, the moment of change, yeah. the time when things change for them. And now the rest, I've collected all the other pieces I need and put it back together. And then the last five minutes or so, Usually I'll, I'll take a break to step away for a second so I can, I can think just for a minute to put it together. Yeah, and then I yeah. come back and I say, well, what do you think about this? What if we told your story this way? And then I tell them the story so they can hear it right away. And it gives me some guidance when I actually go to start writing it. But it, um, it, is, it is powerful. It's powerful for them because they haven't been heard. And now finally somebody has heard them and not only heard them, but given them the tool to be able to communicate better than they've ever communicated before. And, and, and that's inspiring for them. And they, I love that, you know, you showed that they do the kind of like mind blown gesture yeah. because they haven't, just, and it's not, it's not new information for them. They're just hearing it in new ways and therefore they're seeing it in another way. And it mm -hmm. probably opens up the, uh, the doors for them to see the 
the potential of what they could do with it. Before I forget, I want to make mention yeah. of, of this person. Um, uh, there's a guy named Jack Butcher who has a brand mm -hmm. called Visualize Value. And he was a graphic designer for an ad agency for, for years and years. But he does these, he started doing these visualizations of of, of mm -hmm. business concepts of building yeah. a business concept so and similar to what you're doing for storytelling but if you haven't seen his work just whenever we get off yeah. check it out whenever you have time you'll love it it's it's concepts just like progress you know like mm -hmm. compounding right like yeah. a little bit every day grows versus trying to go crazy hard for a week and then you know you know mm -hmm. how that goes yeah so, but he just he really visualizes these kind of complex sometimes uh concepts and really profound and simple drawings, basically. They're very, very simple, but like they're, you know, and they'll put two, two beside each other sometimes. Just check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you'll really dig it. And it might even provide a little inspiration um, for some of the visuals that you do. Talk to me about the moment of change. What is that exactly? Is it just a moment? Like, I'm, I, I love this part of stories. Uh, but I'm interested to learn like your perspective and and how you help people like see what that find what that moment is. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I start by by saying that every story worth telling and every story worth hearing is a story of change. That it's that change is why we want to pay attention to to the story. It's the reason that we pay the price of admission and we give our attention to to a story is to find out what changed and. Is that change important to me? Can that come up for me at some point in my life where I can learn from your experience? Mm -hmm. In the fighter pilot community, we would always say that you will never live long enough to make all the mistakes yourself. Mm. So you, you have to learn from the mistakes of others. And the way that you learn from those mistakes is through story. So Sorry, I will, that was a great line. No, no, no. So I, so I, will, I will drive them to get like, to that moment when things change for them. And the entire story is all about that change. And in a three-minute story, there's nowhere to hide, right? In a three-minute story, that change needs to be front and center. I'll, I'll use it in the introduction, the little preamble, and then everything in the first part of the story drives to that moment of change. And everything after the moment of change are the consequences of that change. So for, for some of my clients, it's easy. I have one client who said that you know, her moment of change came when she woke up in a hospital bed in an ICU. And she realized that she had to change her life or she was going to die. For other people, it's a little bit harder to get to, to that moment. But we need to get there, right? We need to drive to what were the circumstances that made that moment different from every moment in your life before. Right? We could have decided, like when I decided to no longer you know, complete my, uh, my PhD and, and just you know, put that on the shelf, I had tons of moments before that when I could have made that decision, but I didn't. I didn't make that decision until I was back at the Pentagon and I was working inside the bureaucracy. And I'm like, this is not, this is not what I want to do. This is not the, the life that I, that I want to lead. And drive the story to that moment where you said, if that's not the thing I want to do, what is it that I do want to do? And now you make this transition between, in this case, is a simple change between living a life in international development or being an, an entrepreneur. For other people, it's a change from ignorance to knowledge or from uh, self-doubt to confidence, yeah. but, but really get clear on that moment of change. And when you do that, now there's something to learn from. Now people can see, here are the circumstances that led him to make that choice. The whole time they're visualizing themselves in that situation 
And now they can think to themselves, would I have made that same choice? Or would I have made some different choice? Or when those circumstances come up for them in their lives, what choice are they going to make that will determine the rest of their future? So structurally, would you say that the moment of change is the end up because you're saying drive the story to that moment of change? So I follow yeah. you there, right? Like all the things that are happening in the beginning are, you know, essentially driving mm -hmm. to that moment of change. After the moment of change, what then? Yeah. So after the moment of change, I'm going to talk a little bit about. So in the the lead up to the change, I'm mm -hmm. talking about the challenges and the conflicts and the obstacles that I have to overcome. So now on the other side of change, I'm talking about how those things are no longer obstacles. Mm -hmm. Because I have, this thing has has changed, either my either I've changed myself or I've somehow changed the world or changed my circumstance. And now those things that I used to worry about that used to be challenges are no longer challenges. And then as you continue like winding up those things, you talk about, and, and therefore for the rest of my life, I'm doing this, right? I For a lot of the people I work with, it's I decided to start this business doing this thing so nobody else would ever have to do that change for themselves so it's, not, it's nothing crazy complex it's just bringing no. you back full circle right like you mentioned this issue that you faced yeah you had the moment of change the transformation if you will mm -hmm. and then now that thing that was providing the conflict uh earlier is no longer yes and so with with three minute stories like people people have started saying well everything you're saying is so simple Yes. Right. <laughs> it's simple because it's the way that our brains work. Yeah. If you deliver a story and the way that a, a human brain expects to receive a story, it's going to be received better. Yeah. So we just have to try to not be so cute. Just be direct. Tell your story. I, when I get to the moment of change, I will always tell people to lead it off with something like, and then something happened that I'll never forget. Or then this was the moment that everything changed. Don't hide mm. it. <laughs> just say it. Yeah. When you say this is the moment that changed my life. Everybody's going to listen. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's going to turn away at that point. Like, all right, I get, I get 10 more seconds. I'll hear what, what changed his life. And if you do it right now, they're like, all right, I got 10 more seconds. I'll, I'll hear how that impacts these other things before you know it, the story's over and they've internalized the message you've been trying to communicate anyway. There's two things that stood out to me about what you just said. You said, don't try to get cute. <laughs> and I just feel, Oh, I've had this, like debate with people I've been working with on projects mm -hmm. of like trying to be clever or cute and, and, and it rarely works, uh, but certainly not at the point at the expense of, you know, being clear and, and communicating it to people effectively. So I really like that. And then, um, and then also the point that, that people recognizing that it's simple and it is, but we make it complicated. Like right. that's classic. You know, you mentioned the beginning of the, sh of the show, when we were talking like certain patterns that humans have no matter where mm -hmm. else. And I think you said that, like we fall in the same cycles of com complicating things. Right. I think, I think that was one of the things that you listed and we, we, we make things complicated. They're often not They're They're sometimes difficult to execute, but they're usually simple in theory. Yes. And, and a lot of the, a lot of the challenge comes from, like the storytelling literature. And mm. I, uh, I disagree with, with some points in a lot of the literature. And I, I read your book and I was kind of disappointed. That I had nothing to disagree with you about. Like, oh, it's all, stop no, it, Dan. Like, I don't believe that I'm for a, a second. I'm, a, I'm often a contrary person. But what you find <laughs> is, is that even like, you know, story, you know, by McKee or, uh, or Joseph Campbell, those are for big, big stories, right? right. Those are movies. Those are epic stories. And you have more time to be cute, to have these weird plot twists, and these subplots, and these other motives that come up later. And that's another reason I like to force you know, my clients into a three-minute story. 
because you simply don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean like you can still have some art in the way that you phrase things or some art in the way that you change expectations quickly, but you've mm-hmm. got to be straightforward. You don't have time to let this subplot develop over, you know, over 30 minutes or you know, 10 scenes. You've got to, you've got to get to it. And when you do that, it's easier to deliver the story conversationally. If you are you know, giving a pitch or having a, a conversation, or if you're on a podcast uh, like this, and you don't have to worry about this really complex plot structure and try to make it all work out in a quick period of time. What's the magic of three minutes? I've I, I've read another book about pitching specifically, and there was some mm-hmm. storytelling in it called The Three Minute Rule by Brant Penvidic. Um, and that's not the only time I've ever heard three minutes. There seems to be something about that. Is that an attention span? Why why three minutes? Well, so. So three minutes from a very practical level, I can hold anyone's attention for three minutes, <laughs> right? I can, I can convey something to them and, they're, and they're, uh, I'm able to defeat whatever distractions they have for about mm-hmm. that length of time. There's also these competitions called the, the three-minute thesis where people will present like their, uh, their graduate thesis or their doctoral thesis, and they have to present it to a audience of lay people in three minutes. So I think they have one slide to do it as well. Hmm. And um, it's really good in that aspect of helping people to focus their message. Three minutes is also about the length of time of a scene in a movie, for instance, that you have one one scene and there's some like little mini story that's conveyed yeah. in, in that point as well. So when you sort of start putting all those things together, three minutes is, uh, is a good place like to, to aim. That's and if you're giving a pitch, well, if you're giving a pitch, maybe you have five minutes for a pitch, and it could be that it's worth spending three minutes of that five-minute pitch telling a story if that story is going to so clearly convey your value and your purpose and get the people that you're talking to engaged in what you're doing. Yeah. Well, and in, in my opinion, you don't want to spend the whole five minutes g- giving the pitch. You want to leave some space for questions, hopefully. Sure. So being able to do it in three minutes is perfect. I really like the point about the scenes. That's very true. I know that to be true because I'm in the filmmaking yeah. space. Um, I mean, you may have some that stretch that a little bit more, but that's a, that is pretty accurate. So I hadn't thought about that before. That's a really great point. Um, I want to, I want to, if you still have some time, I want to workshop sure. something with you. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, and really intrigued and interested by your process. Um, I am actually working on a startup now um, that's kind of in stealth mode with some some people. Um, like we haven't really launched anything yet. Very, very, very early stages, but something I'm really excited about. It does implement yeah. and utilize the things that I've been working the past several years uh, um, to do. So I'm excited about that. And it's, you know, working with some great people. But I am, I am a startup co-founder right now, which I will awesome. say like, is a kind of feels like a fish out of water thing for me. Right. I'm very excited about it, but it's not, I've been an entrepreneur, but mm-hmm. just been self-employed my whole life. Right. And I've been a hustler, right. Yeah. I, I, I know I have multiple streams of revenue and, you know, but I've never really considered myself because I've never like created a product, you know, sold it, you know, done anything like that. So I've always mm-hmm. felt a little bit of imposter syndrome and, you know, in that realm, in that space. Cause I'm also yeah. in Durham is also kind of a startup tech hub mm-hmm. as well. So there's a lot of my friends that are in that space. So yeah. I am like, you know, fresh off the boat, uh, starting, you know, I'm turning to you, uh, for help with this. So just we're again, early, early stages. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're working with somebody in that, at that point at that stage 
Like, how do you start shaping them to understand how to utilize their story? Like, we're raising money, we're investing, yeah. you know, getting investors right now. So that's something to consider. We're not necessarily selling anything yet. Right. Where do we start with somebody like me that uh, is kind of a blank slate at this point? Yeah. So, so I'm proud to be a new uh, TechStars mentor as well. So I'm able to work with a lot more uh, startups awesome. doing that, that work also. But here's the thing. When you were at a very early stage in your startup, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have a product that you're selling, the thing mm-hmm. that you're selling is yourself. Mm-hmm. It is you. To investors or to even to uh, people that might be looking to join your company, or if you're getting another co-founder, it's that as well. And these personal stories, stories where you convey like why you are the person to do this thing. What in your life led you from this very successful life that you've already had working in storytelling to deciding place <laughs> a moment of change? Yeah. What changed from me doing all the stuff that I've been doing well to doing something that is likely to fail? Like 90% of, of startups fail, not 90% of startup founders, but 90% of the ventures fail. The odds say that you are going to fail at doing this. Why should they invest in you anyway? What, what is special about you? And what I love about storytelling, and I love that you know, uh, Paul Zach, you mentioned him in your book, and he's one of the uh, you know, one of the reviewers there. Before I knew about Paul Zach's work in storytelling, I was following Paul Zach's work in in building trust. Yeah. And what he says is that the fastest way to build trust is to treat someone as if they are trustworthy. Mm. That when you treat someone as if they are trustworthy, they get the shot of oxytocin in their brain that tells them, Rain Bennett's a guy I should trust. And when you tell a story, particularly a story that is authentic and reveals some vulnerability about you, you're you're causing that oxytocin to be released in your potential investor's brain. You have to have them trust you to invest in you. You have to have them understand you generally what it is you're doing to have them invest in you. And stories are the way to the way to do that. So I would craft a, unsurprisingly, a three-minute story about you and about what led you with all of your experience to this point where you are now going to going to start this business. And that will do more than you know 15 charts on the total addressable market and yeah uh, you know, your your made up growth plan for the next five years as well. <laughs> it's totally made up. Yeah. Uh, what changed? That's such a great question. And even people that are that are like myself that are aware, like you, it's easy to overlook, right? We complicate things as humans. Yeah. But yeah, you went, you know, I was doing this, happy with what I was doing. There is some reason why I decided to dedicate myself, my time, my money to this new venture. Yeah. yeah, yeah do, you, that, do you have any idea what that is? Uh, I do. I do. I think I think I would could work on it to make it a little more compelling. Um, but yeah, I think I could answer, could answer that question. Um, ultimately with this product, which we do have an initial product and we have the space Mm -hmm. that we're, uh, excited about for potential future products. But I think what really changed was, was, um, believing in that, like was the belief that this is Mm -hmm. something that other people would want, um, to make, to make me, uh, pursue this. And also, if I'm being completely honest, having the support of, of other people that I trust to bring that word up again, that I look up to, that I'm happy to build something with. I've been, you know, a solopreneur my whole career and I've had teams that have grown and, and you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, and shrunk in size over the years. Never more than three to five and a lot of like subcontractors. But 
it's still always been me. It's never really been a team mm-hmm. and building a, a, a real, I hate saying that because it's not like my business isn't a real business, but you know, no. you yeah. understand what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I try to be like easy on myself because I'm real. If I'm not careful, I will like downplay anything that I have accomplished. And that's not fair to myself, but building a business like the one we're building now, where we're mm-hmm. actually raising quite a bit of money and we're going to be producing a product, et cetera. But you, so even in this conversation, right, you minimize that the whole time. You're like, I've kind of always been an entrepreneur. I've been a hustler. I've been a scrapper. Like those are, those are not small things, right? And you've been, you haven't, maybe you haven't produced like a, a physical product to give to people, but you've made a book, you've Mm -hmm. satisfied hundreds of thousands of, of clients. There are thousands of people that listen to this podcast. So if you think about the other founders who are out there doing things, like none of them well, not not very few founders show up with this huge list of their experiences as founders before and say, "Here we go, time to uh, to make everybody rich." Yeah. Right? Everybody is scrapping, trying to figure it out, problem solving, communicating, building trust, and and building a venture. And if you can tap into to those skills, then everything else is going to going to work out. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's so funny that like. I can be so aware of these things. Um, but this is goes back to the point we've made two or three times yeah. now about humans complicating things. And I'm I, just as susceptible as anybody else. Uh, but I do. And I have the, that negative, you know, that story in my head, right. Of, mm-hmm. That I, that, that I tell myself. And that's part of the, part of the power. I, I expect that you've probably experienced this in, in, in your book. You talk about it as well. It's how you know, all the cameras were pointed one way, your camera was pointed at the other because yeah. you were building a story, right? You yeah. you knew that I need to get this piece as well. I need to understand this piece and be able to communicate that. So like when I work with with clients to help them build build their story, having someone from the outside who knows sort of like what are the pieces we need to be able to make a story, but can listen closely to the way that people say things. Because people will always give you a little hint of what they really believe. And they're checking to see if you're going to pick up on that, if you're going to get a little bit deeper with them on that thing. And then when you do, and you drill down a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper, you collect pieces that they never would have thought to include in the story. But when you delivered at the end, you're like, yeah, that's that's right. Like I doubted myself. And now I've decided that I'm maybe I still doubt myself, but I'm do it anyway. That I was telling myself that I couldn't do this because of my past or because of whatever these other experiences are. And now I've teamed up with people who have those experiences that are going to now let me um, you know, be successful and get over that. And working with somebody else helps to bring that together in a way that you could never do by yourself. Totally. Uh, to anyone listening, uh, I, I'm sorry I'm taking uh, Dan away from you, uh, but he is obviously proving why he's such a good coach right here as we go through this therapy session that we're going through. <laughs> Dan, I appreciate it so much. I feel like I, yeah, I feel like I just got a free a free session from you. Um, what haven't you done what would you like to do more of or spend more time doing in this space now that you've done how many years have you have you been working in the kind of storytelling space so um as part of what i've been doing for about three years now since i left the uh left the military like focused on helping people to do that yeah so that's a good that's a good chunk of time too now Mm -hmm. where like you you probably you know, you've gotten your feet under, you see what's working for you. But uh, as you probably, as you know, you know, having a career as long as you did in the military, like there are these little cycles and things, you know, have to refresh and change. Do you have something that you have your eye on something that you want to do something that you've just started started peeking out a little bit that you want to pursue more? 
Yeah. So like, I am really, um, I'm really fortunate that on, on LinkedIn, I've connected with lots of people from all over the world. Um, and a lot of those people can't afford the, uh, like the one-on-one storytelling um, coaching that a lot of people are able to offer or even the cohort-based training. So I'm trying to develop this, uh, like a multi-synchronous cohort-based course that's subscription-based. So it's a, re- a very low price, but we're able to use, honestly, a lot of the content that I produced on LinkedIn, I'll yeah. repurpose as content in these mini lessons for the people that sign up for this. And we'll be able to communicate, um, you know, like once per week, they'll get an assignment, they'll send me back your recording of them, you know, completing the assignment on their on their cell phone, and we'll be able to put that together as well as some, some group sessions, mm-hmm. but have it at a very, very low price point so that if you're an entrepreneur in India or in Africa or in Atlanta, you can have access to the same type of uh, information and training and be able to leverage this you know, deeply wired human skill to help you to achieve your your goals. Is it? Are you kind of creating a community, or will they be able to to speak with each other? Or yeah, so we'll have um, both lessons where they're doing it sort of an on demand type thing, as well as places where they can come together to practice their stories or to, to ask questions and get help on specific parts of the stories that they're creating. And then an online forum uh, also where they can they can participate. Um, it's not exactly like anyone has ever done it before. So it's much like many things that happen in, uh, you know, in, in new businesses, you're sort of figuring out as you as you go and you're, you're adapting and, and modifying, but I'm really excited. And hopefully in the next few weeks, we'll be able to sign up the first cohort for that. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, please let me know. I think that yeah. um, the this episode shouldn't be out uh, before then, so we'll make sure to get a Good. link to it. But I really love the subscription uh, based model. Uh, I think that should do well because you're right. There are so many people that we aren't able to serve if you're just doing one on one, right? Um, and I like that that idea of it. So it's like a monthly service, and they'd get more content each month, basically. Exactly. Are you? But, but, yeah. Go ahead. I would say, but we'd have them on a path to creating like a portfolio of like five stories, okay, right? Like your founder origin story, the origin story of your business, a customer success story, some funny story, some other uh, you know, maybe connection story or, or something else that's in there. So that when, by the time they're done, they've been able to develop this habit of storytelling, but also they have five stories that they're confident in. And they can deliver them on a podcast or in a pitch or in a conversation or in a customer discovery interview or, or at, a, at a cocktail party that they all come together. And it's something that they're able to, to leverage. Yeah. I think that's, that's helpful too. A lot of people, I think, uh, don't understand that you just need a handful, you know, you just need a little arsenal that you can use. Professional speakers have maybe two, maybe three Mm -hmm. talks and they just do those talks over and over and over again. And to, you know, until it's time to, for them to revamp, but it's not like Mm -hmm. they tell a new story every time they're on stage, they wouldn't be able to do that. So I think that, That should be really helpful for people. Are you growing that community on LinkedIn or another platform? So I am uh, attracting people on LinkedIn, and I'll be I'm building it on a different on a different platform. Um, but it'll be all with people. You know, LinkedIn's really the only platform that I I put out content on about storytelling and, and reach out to people there, and then uh, I'll look to you know help them to get onto this this other platform so they can mm-hmm. participate on that. But I think all the main conversations will still be back on back on LinkedIn. So I am one of probably many people that that don't leverage and utilize LinkedIn probably as much as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me why it's been so successful for you. So it is 
<laughs> it's because I I try to show up and be authentic every day. Yeah. I right. See so that. so it doesn't mean that I tell you everything about me. Yeah. <laughs> but everything I tell you is something about me. Mm. So the things that I'm I'm communicating are um, I try to make them above all honest, but also like helpful, right? I try to give like here is what's worked for me. Here's what I've been able to use that's worked for other clients. I suspect it'll probably work for you as well. And I am I'm happy for people to to disagree with me, um, but I'm I, but I want to find out why, right? I want to find out like why do you think it's this other way? And what in your experience has led you to these things? So I, I show up day after day delivering, um, you know, I've been focused mostly on content about story and storytelling for, uh, you know, for a couple hundred posts now and try to give some different views, some different perspective on it and then participate, just be a real person, right? I want to genuinely connect with people and develop real relationships. And I'll say that if I think about my closest 10 friends, I'm not mm -hmm. counting them all as we, as we talk, but I would say <laughs> at least eight of them I met on on LinkedIn, developed a, a real relationship with them than there. Awesome. Um, yeah. You know, I have to assume that your military background probably helps with that ability to just have conversations with people that you may disagree with. Is that fair to say? Do you think that has helped you at all? I mean, and the reason I come to that is like, you're always going to be working with people who you might not necessarily agree with that that could be said for anywhere, but like your leadership could change, you mm -hmm. know, uh, any, any term, and therefore your direction, everything you've been working towards, the other people that you work with. I mean, is that, is that fair to say? I mean, sure, there's a lot of things you've learned from your military experience, but wouldn't communication in that regard be one of them? So, I mean, what I would say specifically is that the a core part of being a fighter pilot is mm -hmm. the debrief. So we'll go out, we'll fly a sortie, and it costs a lot of money to the taxpayer for you to go out and fly you know, four aircraft for you know, a couple of hours, and you're dropping mm -hmm. a bunch of bombs, and you're shooting a bunch of rounds of the gun. Yeah. So you want to come back and now you go into the debrief and you shut the door and it is all about learning. It is all about how could we all become better from what we did. So you have to have this very, um, very trusting, very honest debrief where you can confront the, you can't allow yourself to just hold on to old beliefs just because it's what you believed yesterday. If right. someone has something else and has some new information that would make you better, it would make us better as a group, then it is your duty to listen to them. And I sort of, that's been ingrained in me so deeply that I take that same approach even on on LinkedIn. Like I want to know, like why do you think in this other way? It doesn't mean that I'm eventually going to to turn over and, and believe what it is that that you right. believe, but totally. I want to, I have to have that information and compare it against why I believe what I believe to get to get better. And it's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned, especially after getting out of the military, is that I don't do my best thinking alone. Mm. Which is a disappointing thing for an A-10 fighter pilot to learn. I do my best thinking when I think with other people in this trusting, cooperative environment, and we all get better along the way. Mm. I love that point. I think that goes for any of us and whatever we're trying to build. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know. I'm glad you brought up Paul Zach too, just that that trust factor is so important in any of our communication, whether we're trying to raise money like where I am mm -hmm. right now, where you're trying to, whether you're trying to build trust with your potential customer, grow a membership community, like right. you might be doing, you know what I mean? But here's the, like, here's the problem. Like people, when people think about being vulnerable, they think nobody's going to want to do business with somebody who had these weaknesses or somebody that recognizes that they have maybe this weakness or this 
this point in themselves. So they try to cover it up, right? They almost deny to themselves and to others that they have these these weak spots or places where they learn and grown over time. If you haven't learned and grown, then you haven't been been living. But in Paul Zach's work, the other thing that he showed was that in 95% of the time, when you treat someone as if they are trustworthy, they respond by being trustworthy. 95% of the time. If there's any other bet that you knew that you would win 95% of the time, you'd be making it all day. And what happens is, this happens on LinkedIn all the time with either clients that I work with or for myself, or I just observe it in other people. When people make a very vulnerable, honest post about something that they believe or something that shaped them, they always get rewarded by tons of people in their network saying, hey, thanks for sharing this. I'm going through the same thing. Thanks for, for telling me about this. It builds trust in a way that trying to be this uh, highly polished version of yourself that everybody knows is not accurate just doesn't doesn't work if you're telling a story or if you're trying to get people to literally give their money to you for you to build something you've got to build that on trust and the more effectively you can build that authentic trust the better better you're going to be and the more successful you're going to be absolutely dan my friend i appreciate your time so much man thank you for coming on the show and uh it was really a pleasure chatting with you thanks for having me i really appreciate it thanks Rain. absolutely brother my name is rain bennett thanks for listening if you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow, and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.